0: Please stand with me in honor of the Word of God as I read from Genesis three, twenty-two through twenty-four. Then the Lord God said, "Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever." Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden. To work the ground from which he was taken, he drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The word of God for the people of God. May you, to God. you may be seated. Today, I titled this uh, sermon The Tree of Life, but we'll be looking about a man's relationship to trees in these first three chapters of Genesis. So, first, we will kind of look at the broad sense of these first three chapters and see what's wrong with humanity and what the answer, the biblical answer, is to the cure for what's wrong with humanity. So that's a, a broad overview of Genesis 1 through 3. Then we will look specifically at the theme of mankind and trees. If you read Genesis 1 through 3 this week, or along with our Bible reading plan up to verses, uh, chapters 11, then you've gotten this kind of broad idea of what Genesis is about. And in the first three chapters, it's a lot about trees. Then we will look specifically at the tree of life and the symbolism of that tree. So the problem, what's wrong with humanity? Every religion, every faith, even atheism, every every, um, philosophy tries to answer that question. What's wrong with humanity, and then what's the answer? So people will find different, uh, what the problem is, and they'll come up with different solutions. But here's what the Bible says. We see that humanity is dead because they are separated from God, that they've been cast out uh, in our text today from the Garden of Eden and away from the Tree of Life. So God's presence is no longer that intimacy with God has been severed, death has occurred because of the disobedience of mankind. And so Mankind is dead in their sins, and they need a way back into the tree of life. That's what's wrong with humanity. That's what the Bible says. And he say, well, is, that really, is the tree of life really uh, that important? What was going on in the garden? We don't really know. Well, if we look a little bit and we get the hints, Genesis three eight says that they, after they had sinned, they, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So we see that there was this real relationship of intimacy with God at that time. Uh, in the garden. But then what we see is the man and his wife hid themselves from what? From the presence of the Lord God among them. They hid in the trees of the garden. So you see that relationship of man and trees, and now, rather than enjoying the garden and enjoying God's presence, they're hiding in the middle of the trees. So this is what's wrong with humanity, and that's also kind of showing what was good about the garden, is they had the presence of the Lord So rather than enjoying God in his presence, their disobedience has caused them to hide from God in the trees. They cover themselves with leaves from a fig tree. They're hiding with the trees now. Intimacy with God and one another is spoiled. That's what's wrong with humanity. Humanity is cast out from the garden. They're cast out from the presence of God. They're away from the tree of life. They are dead. They are walking dead. Genesis 2.17, God promised that would happen. He said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. In the Hebrew it says, You shall die, die. So we translate that, You shall surely die. And Paul continues this when he's trying to answer this whole thing that happened with Adam and how sin came into the world and what's wrong with humanity In Romans 5, 12, he says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, he's pointing towards Adam, In this whole Romans 5, he's talking about Adam and how sin came into the world and what's wrong with humanity. He's also presenting the answer, too, in contrast. But in this verse specifically, he says, Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, they died, died, So death spread to all men, all men now die, because all sinned, all sin. All are sinners, all die, all are separated from God. They're cast out from the garden. This is what's wrong. They're separated from the tree of life, the source of life, the source of God. They're banned from eating from the tree of life. The answer, what can heal humanity, is the story is setting up this question. How can humanity return to the tree of life? And how will God reckon with humanity and their sin? The solution must be someone who one can resist living off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One who can live in God's presence as one and then shoulder the consequences of humanity's disobedience to obey God about the tree. So we're looking for that one. And God gives us some hope in Genesis 3.15. This is the first hope-filled prophecy after the fall. God begins to plant a little idea about how he's going to cure humanity from its ills. And in Genesis 3.15, he's talking to the serpent and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed or your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the answer is set up that we're looking for a descendant from the woman, a child to be born from a woman, and he's going to be this answer who will do these things who will resist eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and get us back in to eating from the tree of eternal life, fully enjoying God's presence again. So the problem is we no longer have access to the tree of life. The answer is get us back to the tree of life. You guys ready to journey with me into this journey? We're going to be looking at how man gets back into the garden and what these first three chapters set up is this unique relationship between man and trees. And so we're going to kind of look at that theme. It's not the only theme throughout Scripture, but it's going to be the theme that is pronounced in the first three chapters and we're going to kind of carry that theme through the Scriptures. So humans and trees, I have a slide that maybe will help us see this. When you get into the poem of Genesis 1 in creation and and, and just trying to understand how uh, poems work, a lot of times they overlap each other. You know, you can start with a poem and say things. You can say, roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so are, so are you. And you can say, well, so are you. You're sweet. You're sweet like sugar. But it rhymes with blue. So the sweet with you rhymes with blue, and it takes you back up to the first verse, and it says, what's well, blue, violets and roses. You're like a rose. You're beautiful like a flower. So, so the, the symbology of, you know, of, of poetry works that way. You get into it, and then you go back and look above it, and there's these interwoven connections. And so to understand that is a good thing. It can help us dig deeper into the Word and kind of discover what's going on in this poem of creation. So we have these what are called triads in these these trees, and what you'll notice is day one is kind of connected with day four. There's a correlation here. You'll read day one, two, and three. Then you'll read day four, five, and six. And what you're made to look at is to go back up and say, hey, day go, one goes with kind of day four, and day two kind of goes with day five, and day three kind of goes with day six. As we move to the next slide, what you'll see is these matching triads, these threes. You've got one, two, three over here, four, five, six over here, these threes. Um, you'll see that day one, God creates light. That's what He does, one act. Day four, God fills the sky. So how does He create light? You see day four correlates with it because how is he doing the light he's creating the sun moon and stars day four one act he's creating the light we look at the next slide and if you can't see this and you're listening at home just be looking in your bibles in genesis one in the days of creation that's what i did Uh, so the the matching triads of genesis chapter one we get to day two god separates the waters day five what does he do with the waters he fills them with fish And he also fills the skies, the atmospheric moisture in the air with birds corresponding with day two. Then we get to what I want you to see, which is this matching triad of day three and day six, which is uniting what we're talking about right now and getting you to see it is man's relationship and correlation and this theme of God with man and trees. So in day three, you see God causes the land to emerge, one act, but you're going to have two acts here on the third day, and then God causes fruit trees to emerge from the ground, a second act. And then day six corresponds to that, and it has two acts. It has the act of God creating animals to fill the land, uh, and then it has God causing humans to emerge from the ground. So if you look at the second act of each one of those days, the second act of day three is fruit trees, the second act of day six and God's final day of work At creation, he's creating humans. You see humans and trees. Hopefully, everyone can see that, and hopefully uh, these slides have helped. And what we have in our next slide is that the second act of creating humans on the sixth day corresponds to the second act of creating trees on day three in the creation account. The symmetry should set the stage for us to begin associating trees with humans in the Bible. So when you read that, you see that. You say, oh, look... um, Man and trees. What, what's God saying there? Well, when he gets to chapter 2, you begin, you're looking for that. You're looking for that pattern. And when you get to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and I want you to see this too on a slide, is that man's origin and destiny are tied together. And the Bible is using similar language to describe the origin of humans and trees, uh, We're going to look at this scripture and we're going to see that both spring from the ground and both will have the same final outcome linked together, humanity and trees. And so we're looking at, Then the Lord God formed man, this is 7 through 9, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So as we look at these verses uh, together, is there another slide? That's what I read. Go to the next. We see the the link there. Go to the next slide. That's it. Okay. Well, what I wanted you to see here is that the Lord God formed. So verse 7, you see, formed the man. And then when you look at the tree in verse 9, it says that God made to spring up every tree. And You're meant to see that correlation. The actual, in the Hebrew, it would stand out. The word is very similar and close, same root word. That formed man and spring up or sprout from the ground every tree is real similar. And then, exactly, you guys think about man, the phrase in verse 7, from the ground, is exactly the same as the trees, which is from the ground. And so that whole phrase, the Hebrew word, uh, men ha adama" is exactly the same. So you're meant to see that trees, men ha adama" and then humans did the exact same thing from the ground. Trees did come from the ground, and humans come from the ground. So you're like, oh, wow, you know, what's the relationship here? So you get into Genesis 3, and what's the conversation about with the serpent? It's about trees. And so, here you have now Eve and Adam as present there, uh, and they're before trees, and the question is about trees. It's uh, Genesis 3, 1, you know, did God actually say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? It's about trees. The woman says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, any of the fruit of the trees of the garden. And she goes on, and this conversation goes on about trees, In our text today, what we found out is that we're cast out away from this very specific tree, and this helps us to understand this very specific tree now, this tree of life. From our text, in Genesis 3.22, we see that the tree of life, to eat from it, means that you will live forever. He says, unless they stretch out their hand, eat from the tree, and live forever. And so when they're cast out away from that, they're cast out away from the ability to have Eternal life. Eternal life is a gift. It's a gift from God. Adam and Eve haven't done anything to earn it. They're just there and they can enjoy it and they can enjoy God's presence and everything is a free gift. But they're cast out away from the tree of life so they're cast away from the source of life which is God. This again is man's and the ills of humanity is that we don't have access. But again, we have we when we look at Genesis 3, 15, remember that verse, that hope-filled verse, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between her your offspring and her offspring, that seed, that seed of the woman. And so we're looking for a man, a good man. Anyone looking for a good man? <laughs> In this world. Uh, but we are. We're looking for someone to be born from the seed of the woman that will bring this. This answer. So Cain is born, and that's where the story leads. And so you start, oh wow, Cain. All right, seed of a woman. Well, pretty soon you find out it's not him. He murders his brother uh, Abel, and then you go through all this evil of Cain, uh, which progresses into real horrible evil. First, you see the ills of being dead to God, working real fast, and but then you have this glimmer of hope with Seth. And with Seth, it says humanity begin to call on the name of the Lord again. You say, Oh, good, it's going to be Seth. Seth, are you going to bring the answer? Are you going to crush the serpent's head? And you look at Seth, and no, evil is in by Genesis 6 is in the thought intention of the heart continuously in man. God is grieved that made man sorrowful to God. This is grieves God. But Noah finds grace in the sight of the Lord. Noah finds favor. God chooses sovereignly this man named Noah. And. Noah uh, builds something out of trees. We we read it as gopher wood, you know, out of wood. But in the Bible, it's just one word. It's trees. He builds trees. And he puts trees together, and these trees lift him up above the flood with him and his family and the animals uh, on it, and it sustains life. Man and trees are sustained uh, in the ark. But is it Noah? No, because Noah lands on Mount Ararat and he comes down and he builds a garden and he grows trees. Uh, he grows grapes and vines. That's a tree branch, same word. He's growing trees in his garden. Is this the Garden of Eden? Is he going to get us back in now? Is he going to start humanity off right? It's Noah! Noah gets drunk. All these things happen. No, it's not Noah. Dang it. Okay, let's go on with the story. And so we see, we see Moses at a burning bush. It's burning, and it's, yeah, it's not. It's a burning tree, again, in the language you see, man and trees, and Moses support, you know, and it's perpetual life, it's, it's, a, it's a burning, but it's not being consumed. It's like, wow, that's weird, because fire consumes things, but not this tree, it's, it's you know, and so it's like, and Moses, um, you know, goes, and he's looking great, and he's his liver, and he's going to take the people into the promised land, and He's doing great, and then he sins. And it's like, oh man, he didn't get to take the people in the promised land, but God lets him look into it. And it's like, no, you know, Moses is going to die. He's not the one, but someone like you. And we see that, you know, it's pointing to someone. We know it's the seed of the woman. Who's it going to be? Who's this blessed man going to be? And you get into David and Solomon and building the temple on Jerusalem. It's going to be at Jerusalem. It's going to be God's meeting with man again in this temple, and Solomon now has built it. It's going to be his son, and God's presence is meeting in this glorious temple, and it's glorious, and his kind of glory comes down, and this is the presence of God again. No, they're sinners. They fail. They fail God, and then Solomon fails God, and and it's like, oh, man, who's the seed going to be? And David writes in the Psalms, one of the things is it's going to be something about A man like a tree. And in Psalm 1 that we read in our first devotional for this year with Genesis 1 through 3, we read Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 starts out with about man and trees. And in verse 3, it says, he is like a tree, this man that will be blessed, this man who will walk not in the council of the wicked. He won't stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. His delight will be in the law of the Lord, and on his law he'll meditate day and night. He he will resist wickedness and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He will live blessed by living off the tree of life again. Who is this man? I don't know. I don't know who he is. I don't know, but I'll tell you what he's like. He's like a tree, verse 3. Planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. What about its leaf? It's perpetual. It doesn't wither. It doesn't wither or die. It's this perpetual tree sustained by water and life, and the leaf doesn't even wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Wow, a man like this, a man like a tree, a man with fruit leaves that don't wither, don't die, that are sustainable, perpetual life. Who will this be? And you get to Solomon's writing in Proverbs, and you see the mention of the tree of life finally again. And it's this man of wisdom, this person who will be blessed, who finds wisdom. Who is this wisdom that will live by the wisdom of God from the tree, flowing from the tree of life, and not from the wisdom of man, flowing man, usurping God's authority, rebelling against God, and saying, I will do it my way, I'll do what's right in my own eyes and and who will get us back to living from the wisdom of God Proverbs 3:13 after who's who's blessed to find this wisdom Proverbs 3:18 it's she she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Here you have her, that tree of life. She's beautiful. She's wisdom and understanding. She's calling. She has long life in her right hand, that eternal life. She's the one who fears the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, and not the fear of man, and not living by the ways of man, but living by the ways of God. Who will obey God fully? Who will obey God about the tree? Isaiah begins to prophesy. It's none of these people. It's none of these that have come before. And he begins to look and set, cast forth this hope and prophecy. And he begins to talk about a stump, and about a tree. But the tree is cut down and all the boughs and the leaves and the branches are, to, are torn down by God. And there's nothing left but a stump. And, and then Isaiah 11, uh, 1, after this... Especially in correlation with Isaiah 10, uh, this tree that's torn down, there's nothing but a stump left. Isaiah 11, 1 says, and there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. There might not be anything but a stump, but Isaiah is seeing hope still. where No hope can be found in a, in a stump. But he said the stump isn't completely dead. There's going to form a shoot from it. Shoot from so you see man and trees from Jesse. Someone's going to come from Jesse. A branch from his roots, like the, all you see is the stump, but there's still some roots down there. But off of one of the roots, it's still alive, and off of that root is going to spring forth from the ground from a, a looking like a dead tree. There's a still live root in the ground, and up out of the ground is going to spring forth another tree from Jesse. Man and trees. And the correlation and the theme and following that theme. It's glorious, it's exciting. That this promise of a new humanity comes from what looks like a hopeless situation, from a barren situation. A tree that's reduced to a stump still has life underground. Its root springs forth life, and it will bear fruit again. That's the purpose of man and trees to They have the self-replicating power within them of seed to reproduce, and it will. It will bear fruit again. Isaiah 53, Isaiah is continuing this theme, and he gets to the suffering servant, and there's a lot of debate, in theologians, who's the suffering servant, all the way from chapters 42 and 3 and 5 and up to 53, we get to this great passage in Isaiah where he says, Who is it? Who's the seed of the woman? Who's going to crush the serpent's head? And he says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Here's what he begins with. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. Life. Man in trees. Mankind in trees. We're meant to make these connections and follow this theme of humans and trees to connect the Bible stories as a unified story that's pointing to one. And Isaiah is pointing to this one. And that one is Jesus. He's the answer to man's ills. He's he's finally arriving on the scene, and we've just celebrated that arrival in the advent, the coming, the advent of the promised one who will be the snake crusher. He'll destroy the works of the devil. He's arrived on the scene, and demons start manifesting, and he casts them out. Sickness is around him, and sickness is cast out. The kingdom, the manifest presence of God, where he goes, the kingdom goes. The tree of life flows. And it's phenomenal. It's amazing. The answer has come. Well, it's beautiful. Jesus begins to get... What he's come here for. He's the man who's resisting living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He faces Satan in the wilderness and he overcomes him with the word of God. He says it is written. And he doesn't submit to the temptations of the devil. He's victorious. He's a man now who has resisted living off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says over and over again, I and the Father are one. He's the man who's brought oneness with God, the presence of God, the defeat of living off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we have this man going back to the garden. Will this be the garden? Will this be the garden where this man wins the battle? And he's in it, and the garden is called Gethsemane, and you get to it in Matthew chapter 26. If you read in verses 36 through 35, Jesus with a serpent in a garden, will he be the one? Will he be the snake crusher? And it is. It is him. But he's so overwhelmed with the weight of all of these stories pointing to him to be the man. And he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And the Satan is throwing everything, everything. And all of humanity and his own disciples keep falling asleep. And they won't pray with him. And he's falling on his face in prayer, and he's saying this to him My soul is so sorrowful, even unto death. This is Jesus pleading. Pray with me, watch with me. You guys understand, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. The weight of this is breaking me. I'm sweating great drops of blood, as it were. I I need your prayers. And he goes back and he finds them sleeping. But he goes and he falls on his face to God. Will he win? Will he do it? Will he submit to God's will about the tree? Will he be the one who crushes the serpent's head? He passes the test. He passes the test in the garden with the serpent and he crushes his head and he says, not what I want, God. Not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not what man wants, mankind and all my flesh wants and fallen man. Bearing our weaknesses fully and yet, being God, he says, not my will, not what I want, but what you want, God, what you want, not my will, but your will. He prays over three times, let this cup pass for me, not my will, but your let this cup pass for me, not my will, but your will. And he succeeds and he wins. A man in a garden, in a trees. He makes the right choice. Is it just for him? No. He must also be bruised by the serpent. He must suffer the fate of the wounded victor. And Jesus is hung upon a tree. He carries a tree like when Abraham put those sticks on Isaac. Do you know what that st- those sticks were in the Bible? Trees. He put trees on Isaac and said, walk up to this hill. But it wasn't Isaac. It wasn't Abraham. It wasn't Isaac. They found a ram in the thicket caught in the trees. Jesus is caught. In the trees, he's not just caught, he's willfully surrendered to carry this tree up to a place of the skull where death is. And what is he? He's hung on a tree in the middle of two other trees, and he allows himself to be bruised for our iniquities, bruised by the snake. He is the victor that crushes the serpent's head but is bruised by the serpent on his heel. Jesus passes the test, and it is not just for him, but he dies to death. He dies and surely dies, but he dies in our place. For those who could never pass the test, not Noah, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, David, Solomon, no, he passes the test. He removes our curse by becoming a curse for us on that tree, Oh, the depths of his love. This man, Jesus, the seed of the woman, won the victory to bring us eternal life and to bring us back to feast at the tree of life. In 1 Peter 2.24, Peter puts it this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. See, the cross is referred to as the tree. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin, And live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. You're back at the tree. You're back with eating off the tree. You're back and given the gift of eternal life. Through Jesus and through him alone. Jesus is the answer to heal our wounds. And all the wounds of humanity. Sin is the problem. Jesus is the cure. Jesus' body on that tree is the answer. So when Jesus died on that cross, something cosmic happened. The temple curtain separated from top to bottom. And God was announcing, come back into my presence. Come back into the center of the garden. Come back into the Holy of Holies. You have access through the cross. Faith in the cross will gain you access back to the tree of life. Jesus has done it. It is finished. All these stories in the Bible... And this particular thread, theme of mankind and trees, points us to Jesus, who obeys God about the tree. God says in the garden, Son, my only begotten Son, will you obey me about the tree? And Jesus says, yes. And it's only faith in Jesus that will get you back into the garden, back feasting at the tree of life. So the Bible began with mankind and trees and A tree of life in the first three chapters of Genesis in our text today concluded with man being cast away from that tree of life. but Jesus is the way back to the tree of life. And the Bible concludes in the last chapter of the Bible in revelations from beginning to end about a tree, and this is the next time the tree of life is mentioned, from Genesis to Proverbs to Revelation, 22, one through two says, "Then he showed me a river." of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and out of the Lamb in the middle of its streets, of its street. On either side of the river was what? The tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit and yielding, from, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Sustainable, life-giving leaves. Sustainable, life-giving, bearing fruit. Tree of life. And concluding in Revelation 22, verses 13 through 14, Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the beginning and the end. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. As we close and worship and take communion together, let us remember that Jesus has got us back into the garden and back eating at the tree of life. In the night that Jesus was betrayed, took bread, and he gave thanks for it to God. He said, this is my body. Take and eat of it. Let us partake together. What a feast it is, Lord. Your body died on that tree for us who became a curse for us Galatians 3.13 says for cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and you became that curse for us that we might experience your life and you gave forth your life and your blood that's what you did next besides your body on that tree you shed forth your life blood you gave your very life so that we might have access back to the tree of life you said this is The cup of the new covenant, the promise in my blood that will be given for you for the remission of sins. It will get you back to the tree of life, back into the presence of God, wash you clean. Put a robe of white upon you, a robe of righteousness by faith in my body and in my blood. Let us partake of this blood together and remember the shed blood of Christ. Amen. Let's worship Him.